This is The Real DR, and I'm Phil Hodgkinson. My guest today is James Garcia. James has been in the hospitality and tourism business now for 37 years. Hailing originally from Colombia, James has resided in the Dominican Republic now for 32 years and owns and operates his own adventure tour business. Over the past 15 years, James embarked on a new life journey of self-discovery and empowerment. James is also a motivational speaker and a passion test coach. The Passion Test is a course that takes people through the step-by-step process of how to identify their top five passions, which then provides the guidance to align those passions with their own lives. James Garcia, welcome to The Real DR. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Phil. Pleasure to be in your program. Thank you. Wonderful. And, and you're talking to me from uh, the capital of the Dominican Republic, Santo Domingo, can you tell us a little bit about life in Santo Domingo? What's, what's it like? What, what, are the, what are the good things and what, what, what are the things to watch out for? <laughs> well, a uh, funny question because a lot of people ask me, why are you living in Santo Domingo? Um, it is a hectic city, capital city, close to 4 million people. I'm here because I have a daughter, 17 years old, that we're sending to high school and I think that we can provide her with the best education here. But uh, after she goes, maybe we'll relocate in a place that is uh, more quiet, Phil. Yeah, so, so somewhere where the traffic flows. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking earlier on, you, you also have a, a son who's very well known in, in the Dominican Republic, uh, Bebo Hernandez. And he's on the international tennis circuit right now. How, how is he doing at the moment? Because I imagine that that's a, that's a life that sounds far more glamorous than it really is. Yes, it is a very difficult uh, career. Um, it's obviously not what everybody sees when they look at Rafael Nadal or Roger Federer. Um, he, he's doing well. Um, he's like ranked like 260 in the world right now. But uh, still, it's not that he's making a lot of money. Uh, it's a lot of expenses in that sport. Uh, he's going through a change right now. He's, uh, uh, the tennis has a lot of pressure, and especially when you compete professionally. And um, you can get a lot of stress, uh, a lot of pressure to, to get the rankings, to get money, to satisfy the sponsors and the public and the parents and the media and the Facebook followers, all of those people. And sometimes you forget about yourself. And uh, I think that uh, he's doing great in the, in the way that he's uh, finding a balance between the sport and, and his life. And he's right now uh, trying to, to find peace and, and enjoy the game. So hopefully uh, that will pay off uh, dividends uh, in his results. Yes, because, because I understand the journey that you've been on and, and um, what, what you've been through. Uh, you've been able to help uh, Bebo with the, with, with the mind aspect of, his, of his, uh, his life and his game. Is that, is that true? Yes, I always, uh, I've been fascinated with the, the mind aspect of the game because uh, I've been following him since he was a, a junior a player. And uh, every time I went to, to watch him play, 
uh, I could see, you know, that there are some things that will make the difference. Uh, one is obviously the mind, the mental strength and control. And the other one is the physical aspect. And, and I can, you can, you know, the player can break or can succeed. And I've been uh, fascinated by that. And I've been studying, I've been taking courses. Uh, so I've been telling him to, to mine his mind. <laughs> yes. And, um, it is very important because uh, sometimes they lose a match and they don't realize that uh, in tennis, if you have a draw of 32 players or 48 players, which is the format right now in the challenger circuit of the ATP, there are uh, in 48 players, there are 47 that will lose sooner or later. So it's a sport in a way that is uh, more of people losing than people winning. So I think that the society is, th is teaching people how to win, but they are not teaching them how to accept uh, the losses. And we're working on that. Yeah, you, you could probably help Manchester United with that uh, as well, <laughs> James. Lost again today. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> now, listen, uh, I, we've known each other for many years, and... Uh, I remember in the conversations that, that we've had and the time that we've shared, uh, there came a point in your life, I, I believe possibly in the last 15 years, when you started to see things uh, a little differently. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that and, uh, and about the journey that you've been on? Yes, I, I realized at one point that I was uh, always focusing in working and uh, you know, they say that you have uh, three stages. One is that to be, the other one is to do, and the other one is to have. I think that I was, like many of us, too much engaged in the to do and to have of the equation. And one day, you know, I felt uh, like I was in a river and I was always, you know, swimming against the current and uh, there is a point when you ask yourself, uh, you know, what am I doing? What's the purpose of life? Uh, what am I going to? What am I here? What is my purpose? And I think that I asked those questions. And then I started uh, getting immersed in uh, a spiritual journey that um, is paid a lot of uh, dividends to me in the fact that uh, I feel more more joy uh, inside of me. And I think that that's great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, can, can you tell us a little bit about the, the changes that you, you decided to, uh, you decided to make? What, what changes were they? Well, everything is started with a course that I took uh, with an international foundation that is called the art of living. And I took uh, this course that they call the happiness course. And um, they teach you uh, a lot of breathing techniques, also meditation, yoga. They uh, try to motivate you to eat properly, to rest properly, trying to put your mind uh, at ease, you know, give the mind a little bit of rest. And... Um, disengage a little bit with the, from the programs that uh, society is putting in our brains, which is you have to work, you have to work, you have to work, you have to get, you have to get, and uh, for you to be someone, and, and that's completely wrong. So I took a journey that basically I call it is, is a journey from my mind to, to the heart, 
they say it is the journey that is the shortest one, but is the most difficult one that any human being can take. And, and I'm taking that road, Phil. Right, because the, the, the art of living is, uh, is an, an international thing, isn't it? Who, who, who's behind the art of living? It is, uh, it is a foundation that uh, originated in India, and uh, it has uh, a master. Uh, his name is Ravi Shankar, and he's been doing it for uh, close to 40 years. And uh, they are present in about 157 uh, countries. Um, I've been involved in different religions uh, because of my family mainly. And this is not a religion. This is a spiritual foundation. And uh, the good thing about this is that anyone from any religion can go, can join. It's all about inclusion. They are not really demanding anything from you rather than you making the commitment to, to be happy and to be a better person. And that's what I like about it. And, and I've been with them for about 10 years and I, and I am really happy. There are some exercises, uh, breathing exercises that you can do at home. Uh, thank God they are not uh, charging for oxygen, oxygen yet. So, not not <laughs> yet, James. Not yet. <laughs> so it looks like it's a matter of time. That the, the way the way that we're going, it seems it may be that way. Yes. You know, so you can do meditations at home and, and breathing, and, and I find it very practical, very nice, uh, very easy. And it is great just to be able to put the mind to rest. So tell me a little bit uh, about, about meditation. Uh, and, and the reason I'm, I'm asking this is that obviously more and more people we hear, you know, with, with, with interviews, with celebrities, with sports people, you know, the importance of meditation. Um, how long did it take you to, to, to learn to meditate? What, what were the steps that you had to take? Uh, I'm still learning, Phil. <laughs> it is very difficult to, to put your mind at rest. Uh, our minds were designed to be running and uh, active 24-7. So meditation uh, is a Tibetan word that basically means to get familiar with. And uh, what they say is that we basically have these two minds. One is obviously the, the, the conscious mind, and we have the subconscious mind. With the conscious mind, they say that uh, we operate about 5% of uh, our mind. And with the subconscious, is about 95%. So they say the brain is like a recording machine. That yeah. you are recording audio and, and videos and, and images and experiences and emotions. So what happens is that if we just operate uh, from the subconscious mind uh, in automatic, it's like you are every morning when you wake up, it's like you are pressing the play button. But guess what? You're going to start hearing that 95% of things that are stored in that recording machine. Yes. So in a way, they say, you know, we have like 60 to 7,000 talks uh, every day. And 90% of those talks uh, are the same of the day before. So technically, uh, every time we press the, the play button is like we're living in the past. Yes. So the meditation, what, they, what it does 
is that uh, between the conscious and the subconscious mind, you have the analytical mind. And this is the mind that is always analyzing, always making an opinion, always judging, and all of this. And meditation is like putting the mind to rest, and then you go behind the analytical mind. And uh, I, I like this explanation of this guy the other day. He says, if you operate just with your conscious and subconscious minds, it's like you are connected to your computer all the time. But when you meditate, it's like you give yourself the chance to connect to the big, you know, worldwide web. And right. that's, that's basically what they say. It gives you the chance to connect to the source. So, um, it's, what you, <clears throat> so in a way, what, what you're doing is, is uh, connecting to that energy force that... Uh, pumps your heart that uh, pumps the blood around you, 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 your veins that, that causes you to blink that, that, that hidden force that you have no control over, but it, that it's always there. Is it about connecting with that? Yes, it is. Uh, they always say that uh, we all human beings are born with the same, you know, we have the same heart, and we have a pure heart that is, is full of love and joy and happiness, unconditional happiness. Uh, but because of all these programs that uh, we have to get by growing up from our families and friends and teachers and television and movies, the whole thing, we kind of move from the heart to the mind and we forget about that source. So basically, I like, uh, because I was uh, saying all the time, I need to learn, I need to learn. And then this other guy said, no, you need to remember, because you are already that, you know, you already have that, that source inside of you, but you just need to remember that you have it. It's very interesting, very interesting. I, and I was um, listening to something the other day to say that you, your formative years between one and seven years old, that's where everything is is set, isn't it? That's where that's mm-hmm. where the that's where the you is formed, and and it's interesting because the, these are years that we don't remember, and we don't have control. We no. we are just like a sponges, accepting everything from our parents and the nanny that they put in our care and the teachers. And the programs that they put in the television that we are not even can control the the remote control. So it, this is interesting. Is uh, learning to they say you know uh, disconnect to connect. So so through meditation we can we can uh, I guess through that connection we can begin to to reprogram ourselves to take take us in another direction, I suppose, to, to reshape our, our lives and our personalities, even our, even our DNA. Is, 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 is that part uh, yeah, of the I possibility? Take, yes, I take it like uh, getting out of that recording machine. You know, if we, in that recording machine, for instance, all we have is merengue and salsa music, and every time you press play, I mean, guess what? You're gonna learn. You're gonna listen to this type of music. Uh, I think meditation takes you or gives you the opportunity to go out of that recording machine and explore other possibilities. 
That's what, that's the way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm presuming that, um, in, in all of these life changes, James, that, uh, you have a routine, you, you would have a daily routine, uh, a way to start the day. Could you tell us how do you start your day? What, what would be a typical day uh, for James Garcia when, when it, from waking up in the morning, how does it go? Uh, first thing that I do is, uh, have an attitude of gratitude. I, as soon as I open my eyes, I say thank you for a new opportunity, a new day, uh, for being alive, for my health, you know, for, for being able to walk out of bed. Um, and then I go to, to the bathroom and, and I play a couple of songs. Uh, one is called uh, This is a New Day. And, um, and the other one is uh, called gracias a la vida thanks to life and they are like some uh, it's a ritual that i have of, of listening and, and appreciation appreciation and gratitude and um, and then is basically trying to to stay uh, in the present moment which is very difficult i then i do my uh, my exercises which is uh, 20 minutes of uh, breathing techniques and then followed by uh, by a meditation that sometimes I try to, to go for the 20 minutes, but sometimes I, if I don't have the time, it's going to be five minutes or 10 minutes uh, before I start the normal routine. And then uh, I take uh, my daughter to school when during the weekdays. And then when I come back home, I go to a park nearby uh, for a five kilometer walk. Uh, for me, it's important to be in contact with nature you know, get the energy from the trees. And then there's all these people that walk in the park that I go uh, and say hello and good morning and, and get that energy. And then there is also that uh, something that I'm doing now that I learned about a month ago, which is called silent gratitude, which is uh, blessing everybody that passes by, uh, especially those ones that you think that they are in need, you know, you the, see some the grumpy ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, those ones. And also you see someone in a wheelchair or yeah. there's someone who is begging for money. I always say, uh, God, you know, please bless this person and, and help. And, and that's called silent gratitude. And I am practicing that. And I think that gratitude is, is a key element uh, that leads to happiness and contentment for sure. Absolutely. It sounds like, uh, sounds like the perfect way to start the day because, you know, we're, we're, oh, there's just so much noise in life these days and it's so easy. It's so, it happens to me all the time. It's so easy to be pulled off course. And, and of course that affects, that affects your whole day. And, um, if you're not in tune with that whole day, then you know that in, in a way that affects your tomorrow and the rest of your life, you know, you've, really got to approach each day with with the best attitude possible i think and it's obviously working james because you were telling me you went for a recent uh, you went for a, a, your annual health check and and what what did the uh, the doctor said they thought they thought the the equipment was broken didn't they what, what was that all about <laughs> yes i've been doing these annual checkups uh for the last uh i think nine years i think that became part of my consciousness uh, new level a new awareness 
and I'm trying, you know, to eat healthy and to exercise, and I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't dance clothes. <laughs> except with my you wife. Should, you've got to do that, mate. You can't not do that. Except with my wife, I say. Good. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they, they, they said congratulations, keep doing whatever you're doing. I, I, do, I was doing, uh, I, I, before I was going to do the stress, the stress uh, uh, test, they, they took an electro on me. And the guy uh, with the computer called the doctor and said, can you check this? And, and the guy said, oh, oh. And then they said, listen, if you feel dizzy, you want to stop, please let us know. You don't need to finish. Uh, this is a press, a button that you press. If you don't want to continue anymore, you let us know. And they kept on checking and checking. And then as the test was going on, then they called the doctor again. And, they, and then he said, ah, okay, now this explains the whole thing. And they started talking, and then I finished with my test, and then I asked them, I said, listen, what was all this about? You got me worried. He said, no. The thing is that we asked you if you were a high-performance athlete, and I said, no. I only walk like five kilometers a day. So they, they, the electro was showing the results of a high-performance athlete, and when I told them that I was not, they thought that there was something wrong, and then... They said, no, 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 kid, what, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm doing these uh, breathing exercises and some meditation and walking and eating healthy and, and taking care of myself. And they said, keep doing whatever you're doing because it's, it's great. And uh, of all the patients that we have taken care of this week, you are the only one who, who has this type of result. So I was very happy with that. Yeah, you, you got to feel good about that, no? Yes. you got to be very happy with that. Um. And, and looking at the world that we live in um, right now, uh, James, what would you say that the, you know, apart from, you know, the bigger issues, you know, which would be climate and, and, and all of these things, what would you say that um, are the biggest challenges that humanity is facing uh, right now in terms of, in terms of wellness? Where, where do you see our biggest issues? What do you think they are? Um, I think, uh, there are huge corporations that are uh, taking care of the food industry. And I think that that's one big problem because they are manipulating our food and they are trying to sell as, as much food as possible. And um, we don't even know if we are eating healthy because we go to the supermarkets that we have to obviously take, but it's in the shelf most of the times. But there are a lot of ingredients that they are using that they know they are not good for our health. You know, like for instance, uh, sugar is uh, not available all the time and it's expensive. So they created in the lab the substitute, which is uh, the high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. And, and that was approved uh, by senators and congressmen in the states that they say they are in the payroll of these huge food corporations and uh, we we are eating those things because they are in in many cereals and many products they are using that and what they say is that when we eat food then obviously our body is a perfect machine that analyzes everything and then the signal goes to the brain and the brain says okay this is calcium let's send it to the bones and let's send it to the teeth 
and so on. But when they get something chemical, they don't know what to do with it. And then it ends up going to the liver or to the kidneys. And then that's what we're seeing so many people getting ill. Uh, plus, obviously, uh, the programs of telling people to smoke and to drink and to all of these things and eat all this junk food. Uh, it's on television. It's everywhere. And, cell phones, and of course. All Wonderful of cell phone. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we are very busy because we want to do things and we want to have accumulate things. So in that rat race that we start uh, operating our lives, there are not much time to obviously eat properly. Uh, you end up eating whatever is available, whatever is faster, whatever is easier. So I think that yeah, it, it seems like we've become uh, we've become a product now. Humanity is just a product, and everything's about profit now. Every everything is about profit, and uh, you know it's it's time that it changed and. Um, my hope is that uh, if enough people realize what's happening in this world, that uh, enough pressure can be applied, that we can make, we can start to make some changes because uh, I think the world could do with it right now. Well, they also say, Phil, that uh, I, we as humanity, we are growing exponen exponentially. So to feed all the people of the planet, obviously, so, some people say it's, it's not possible to have like fresh products in every supermarket to, to get to every household. So that's why they have to put so much uh, products in, in cans and um, in, use a lot of chemicals to preserve the, 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 those foods. And, and they say that that's part of the problem as well. Is we are growing too fast, uh, too many. Yeah, yeah. And all about money. All about money. Mm -hmm. um, now, James... Um, Given the journey that you, you've been on right now, if someone was listening here and, you know, if someone was a little bit, felt a little bit lost or overwhelmed with uh, life right now, you know, and I, and I believe there are lots of people that, that, that feel that, that, that way, what might, be, what might be some advice that, that you could give those people? Well, um, I'm going to talk uh, about my personal experience. I... I one day I look at myself and I had a good job. I was a partner of a company that was making decent money. I was living in a beautiful apartment. I had a family. I had a car. I could travel. But I didn't feel that I was uh, completely happy inside. And, uh, and I was saying, what's happening? Because a lot of people, especially my family, they were always saying, oh, he's doing the best of the family and he's uh, it's great and he's the happiest person and all of that. But I wasn't. Um, so what I will recommend people is, uh, is to, to, to take a, a journey to go inside, to listen to the heart, uh, you know, get the mind a little bit of a rest and, and say, okay, what's inside here? Because I think that that's where the source is and that's where, uh, where these things like we call joy and happiness and peace and conditional love, they are there. So that will be my, my advice if they haven't done it to, to start a little personal journey to go inside themselves. And, um and w without mentioning um, any names, 
who who in your circle of, of, of friends and acquaintances, who would you say is the happiest person that you know? Well, when I go to the art of living, uh, we meet on Wednesday evenings for something that is called satsang. And uh, it's basically a group meditation. And we watch some videos of knowledge and wisdom. And many of these people, they look calm, they look relaxed, they, they, they look happy. And, and I talk to them and they are not uh, wealthy, rich. They are normal people that uh, they realize that whatever they have is enough. And that's the problem, that we don't know what is enough. And we are also have this mind and, and this ego that is con constantly asking, what's going to happen when you grow up? What's going to happen when you are not working anymore? Do you have enough money for retirement? What? And, and this causes a lot of stress uh, to us. So... Uh, I, I know a lot of people that are uh, that I consider that they are happy. Obviously, uh, they say that you cannot be happy 24/7. You know, uh, sometimes there are things that you need to attend. And, but uh, the, the people in the circle of the art of living, and also a lot of people in the circle of the passion test, I see. Uh, I, I see that they are. They are. Uh, they con I consider them happy. And, and then uh, one day I asked that question, okay, before the art of living and before of, uh, the passion test, you know, who are the people in my circle that I consider that are very happy? And I identified three people and the surprise was that they were not the richest people. One was surprise, the, surprise. <laughs> one was the lady who was washing the clothes and ironing the clothes in my apartment. This lady will be with a, bunch of very clothes and she was singing and whistling and I said what what's happening with this lady is she in drugs or what and there was also the lady who who cleans our office uh, also always happy and and we know that she has problems but she always has this attitude of gratitude and a happy heart and also uh, my brother-in-law in Colombia who is not rich but he is happy with everything he has there are foods that people find salty and not enough, and you ask him, and he thinks it's a banquet that he's eating. <laughs> so I think it's the right attitude. Yeah, he sounds. Uh, we've spoken about him before. He sounds like uh, like an incredible, uh, <clears throat> incredible person. Um, mm -hmm. Now, now, James, you mentioned the passion test. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the passion test and how you uh, became involved in it? Yes, I, um, I wanted to, I, I started being a motivational speaker and I was uh, talking to audiences, but I didn't have a certification. Right. So okay. I, wanted, I wanted to get certified. So when I went to offer my services, people could obviously know that I did have some credibility. <laughs> uh, of course. So I, 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 uh, by coincidence, I think, I got, a, I got a, an email that it was a spam. And it basically was asking the questions, do you want to make a difference in the world? Do you want to uh, motivate people? And you want to make money with it? And all of these questions were the right ones. And it was a certification in Fort Lauderdale with a passion test. And I thought 
it was a certification for me to become, you know, a motivational speaker, a certified one. But when I went there, I, by my surprise, I found out that was a different certification. But uh, it was actually a perfect mistake because uh, and now I had two tools that I can work with. One is the motivational speeches and the other one is to be a passion test facilitator. Uh, passion test is a beautiful tool that will help us leave our mind a little bit and go to our heart and ask the question, when my life is ideal, what I would be doing? Okay. And then you have to answer that, you know, when my life is, when my life is ideal, I am, and then there is a blank that we need to fill out. And I always tell people, you know, concentrate in the five most important uh, aspects of life, one being family and relationships, the other one being the health and physical conditioning, the other one being the career and the profession, the other one being the financial stability, and the other one, the spirituality. And then you can add hobbies, you can add uh, service, uh, activities, things like that. So then you come out with about 10 of those, uh, we call them passions. And then the test uh, will reduce those 10 to five main ones. Okay. And basically I tell people, okay, if I have a magic stick and I was to give it to you, and I will tell you, I will give this stick to you for five minutes. And in those five minutes, you're going to manifest all those things that will make you the happiest person in the world, what would they be? And then obviously that's what you're going to write in the paper. And, and it's a beautiful process because uh, many of us don't want to say what we love with passion because the egos and the mind get in the middle and then they start talking to us like this mental caddy saying, yeah. oh, you are too old. You don't have the money. Uh, remember you failed before. What is your father going to say? You are married. And all of these things will say, will tell us, don't go that road. So it's very beautiful because uh, they say that the number one reason why people don't get what they want is mainly because we don't know what we want. And it's amazing, Phil. I have talked to many of my close friends and relatives about this. And I have explained all the benefits. And they say, yes, I absolutely need that. And I can benefit from that. And I tell them, listen, I'm going to give it to you for free as a gift. These are the instructions. Yes, yes, yes. And then I follow up with them two weeks. And they say they've been very busy, but they are going to go to that. And then I, I follow up a second time. And they say the same. And then third time, and they don't do anything. And then they prefer not to do it. And that's one of the most difficult things for us to do as human beings is knowing what we want. And by not identifying what we want, we fall into the problem of living life asking for what we don't want. Right. And that's a big difference. And that's not good, is it? No, not at all, because you end up doing things that, you, that don't make you happy. So they say, what's the difference between a passion and, and, and work? And the answer is that a passion 
you will do it even if they don't pay you. Uh, for instance, Phil, I know that you have this passion for playing the guitar and, and you, that's something that you really love and, and I know that you, you do. And I know that sometimes they invite you to play for free and you are happy to go and you, you're the happiest person on earth when you're doing it and they're not even paying you. So that's the difference. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they did pay me though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but they do sometimes, James. <laughs> They do sometimes. Um, so how, how, long, how long would this passion, if, if, if I were to take the passion test, how, how long is the process? It's two ways to take it. One is uh, a workshop, that, uh, but you have to be the presential workshop that uh, takes uh, three and a half hours. And then uh, you get some, some uh, passion exercises to take back home. And then there is like a follow-up period that can be done through through internet or, or, or phone calls. And there is another way, which is the one-on-one. -on -one. It's more private, it's personal, it's more uh, attention, uh, personal attention. And that one is done in two sessions of uh, two hours each that are done through Skype or phone or in person. And then after that, uh, it, it goes uh, like the three months, more or less, uh, follow-up to make sure that the person has finished all the exercises and, and all the, the requirements. Uh, but it's something that is, it sounds very easy, um, but it's in somehow complicated because, uh, because of ourselves. We don't know what we want. And I tell people, uh, imagine you go to a restaurant and you are given the menu and the waiter is there and you say, can you give me five minutes? And then the waiter goes away and then comes back. Can I take your order? And, and oh, no, I don't know. Can you please give me five more minutes? And then the third time you are kind of, hmm, you know what? I don't know what I want. So you ask, ask what is the dish of the day? And they mm -hmm. tell you, well, it's chicken and salad. And you say, okay, bring me one of those. And then they bring you and then you're not happy because the, the chicken you like uh, roasted and they brought you fried chicken. And then the salad, you like it natural and they brought you uh, boiled vegetables or something like that. So look at the risk that we take when we don't know what we want. We can end up getting what we don't want. So that's exactly. why it's so important that the passion test helps you um, with clarity. You don't know from the heart what you really want to do that brings you passion. Wow. So, so obviously this, this is, uh, this is life changing. Do you have any, are you able to share with us any, any stories from, from the passion test of, of people that have taken this and completely changed, yes. the, that changed their lives? I have um, a testimonial with, uh, I was doing a, a motivational speech for some uh, tennis coaches. And after the speech, this coach came to me and he said, listen, I have four young players that I am training, but two of them, I had very, a lot of trouble trying to motivate them. The other two, it's no problem. They do everything I tell them, but these two, I really have to push. Could you come and do some motivation for, to them? I said, well, listen, I have a better idea. What if I do the passion test to them? 
And he said, oh, that would be great. So I went to do the passion test and the two players that he said that he had a lot of trouble motivating uh, didn't have tennis or being, you know, uh, high performance tennis players in the top five passions. They didn't yeah. say, I want to be top 50 or top 10. Yeah. Um, and, and then obviously that was a great, a great information because when I spoke to them, one of them was saying that uh, his parents wanted him to be uh, a tennis player because they had uh, a tennis academy and, and they right. wanted him, but he didn't want to be a professional. Uh, so when they asked him, what do you want to study? He said that I want to study criminology. Oh, right. <laughs> and they said, what? <laughs> said, they said, over our dead bodies, you're going to study that and I am not going to pay for that. So this guy found out that in the States, there was a university that was, uh, you know, teaching criminology and they had a tennis team and that he could get a scholarship. So he was playing tennis, not because it was his passion. It's because yeah. he didn't want to, uh, I mean, he wanted to pay for his career. So you could see that he was just doing something just because it was a way of doing it, not because he was loving it. Of course, of course. Uh, and the second, the second one, it was a girl. And this girl, she wanted to have a celebrity status. Okay. So she wanted the television, the interviews, the, the autographs, the red carpets, and all of these things. And obviously, she was seeing uh, Anna Kurnikova and Maria Sharapova, all these girls, and she wanted desperately to be like them. Uh, she didn't come from a wealthy family, so, so she thought that tennis was going to give her that opportunity to get to that level. And uh, right. So uh, I, I think that Anna Kurnikova was a case of, uh, she was a great tennis player. She was a beautiful girl, but uh, then she met uh, with Enrique Iglesias, the son of uh, Julio Iglesias. They're, they're dangerous, those two, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Anna Kurnikova, who was a very top tennis player, that she, she quit playing tennis and then she started being a celebrity only and modeling and things like that. So I don't know if this gives you an idea of how uh, it's important that you know exactly what you really love with passion, because if not, you're going to end up doing something that might pay you a lot of money and it can pay you a lot of things, but you're not going to be feeling contentment in your heart. And I think that that's the main thing that we need to, to look for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and there's no doubt that all of the people that are at the top of their game in either their profession or in their sporting careers, you've got to be passionate about it, don't you? You know, you really do. Um, you, you're not going to reach the top without that. I, I can't see it. In everything we do, uh, obviously, uh, there is a lot of talented people, Phil. There is a story of um, Andre Agassi. Apparently, you know, his father was a tennis coach in Las Vegas. Yeah. And he will bring him to the tennis courts and he will tell someone, okay, uh, put, put him to play. And, and, and he was kind of pushing him to play and to play and to play. And apparently, um, he, he became a wonderful tennis player. But uh, in the book that he wrote, that is called Open, he, he says that uh, he wasn't completely happy and, and he was doing a lot of things because of his dad. 
Uh, and a lot of us are going through life like that, Phil. We're doing, yeah, yeah. Parents. We're doing what, what parents <laughs> said, what the teacher said. I'm, I'm doing what uh, my neighbor, who, who is a dentist, is doing. And I see that she lives like a millionaire, so I want, I want to do that. So we're, it's not that we went to our hearts to find out what we really want with passion. So the passion test uh, for me is a wonderful tool that can help. Well, consider me signed up, James. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely in the program. So uh, right. we'll, we'll find out how to, uh, how to go about that uh, a little bit later on. I just wanted to ask you one, one quick question, which is um, if you had the opportunity uh, now to go back and speak to a younger 18-year-old James, what would you tell him? Uh, definitely, I will tell him to to seek uh, a spiritual path uh, as early as possible. To to go and take that journey to go inside to because uh, we get like blindfolded uh, at an early age and we start, you know, going through the to do and to have. Uh, I will say, please focus in. The to be more to be, than the, to to be. be. Okay. yeah i will i that will be the the, the best uh, advice that i think i could uh, give to myself if i was to go back in time that's what is it wayne dyer that says that instead of striving work on arriving or or, or being you know step you know let things flow mm-hmm. is that more more the way um I don't exactly remember those words. I do remember seeing Wayne Dyer's uh, documentary film that I will highly recommend to anyone listening. And if all these uh, topics that we are talking about resonate to them, it's, uh, it's a movie that is called The Shift. Okay. The Shift. And, and, and that was to me uh, an eye opener. The Shift by Wayne Dyer. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Where do you see yourself in five years, James? Have you thought about that? That's, uh, that's an interesting question, Phil, because uh, when I was in the to-do and to-have, I was uh, you know, working with a lot of goals and, uh, and timeframes and uh, statistics and all of these things. And when I made the, the shift... <laughs> I, I started uh, being more in the, in the to be, and one of the characteristics of that uh, consciousness level is basically to be in the present moment and enjoy every day. Uh, obviously, they, they say that spiritual people sometimes live in the clouds, and, and that's in a world like this is not completely good because then you also need to have your feet on the ground. But... Um, I, I cannot answer that question. I, I do know that I want to be doing things that I love with passion, being surrounded by people who are meaningful, who work from the heart, that respect, that accept, that accept things the way they are. Um, I want to be part of, of groups of people that, that go in that direction. That I know for sure. I want to be surrounded with people that, because they say there are two ways of living life. One is from the love and one is from uh, the ego. 
and definitely I want to, to go all the way uh, from love. And, and I, I know that I want to be in five years with people like that. Uh, people like you, Phil. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Not every day, though. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working. Well, on it. when you and become when you become grumpy, then I practice uh, silent, uh, <laughs> silent gratitude, silent blessings. Yeah, you must be good at that by now. <laughs> um, and you talk about the four agreements, which I, I always found interesting. But can can you tell us about the four agreements? You you've, you've told me yes. several times, and 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 it's it's something really cool. Tell yes, us about uh, that. when I cert, uh, got a, to be a certificated uh, passion test facilitator, uh, we used to have at that time a yearly reunion for all the certified passion test facilitators, and one of them was in San Diego, California. And we had the privilege of meeting a lot of very wonderful speakers. One of them was Don Miguel Ruiz from Mexico. And he is the one who wrote the four agreements. Okay. And, I, and I, he, he says that anyone who lives life applying those four agreements, and if everyone in the, wor- in the world was to apply those four agreements, will, will, be, uh, will be great and this will be a, a happy place. So the, the first agreement, it says, uh, be impeccable with your word. So if you say, uh, let me $100 and I'll give them back to you, you know, comply with your agreement. Um, I'll be uh, with you at five o'clock. I mean, you are either going to be at five o'clock or if for some reason you are delayed, you're going to call the person and say, listen, it's going to be 5.15. So working... So impeccable with the word. So when people say, you know what, feel his word is like gold. So that's the number one. The number two, he says, don't take anything personal. We always, uh, when we have a discussion with somebody, uh, they say the problem is the problem of the other person, not your problem. And there are a lot of people that go out to the street carrying a lot of garbage from problems and and things that they have and they are desperately looking for someone to dump the garbage and and sometimes they want to do it with you so it's basically recognizing that uh, you are not a garbage can and if the person has a problem it's his his problem so don't take anything personal Mm -hmm. and I think we tend to take things personal and then we start arguing and fighting and, and complicating life yeah, absolutely. The, the third agreement is, yeah, is don't make assumptions. And we are great at assuming because obviously when we operate from the ego, the ego wants to separate, they wants to judge, it wants to always raise an opinion. And, and uh, so, you know, we, we see someone with dirty clothes and then right away we jump to an assumption to say, oh, he's filthy, he's this and he's that. And we don't know if the person was just repairing someone's uh, car that got broken or something like that. Yeah. Um, also, someone uh, didn't show up on time for a meeting. Sometimes they had problems. So don't assume that the person is irresponsible. Go first and find out what happened before you make a, a, a judgment. Yes. And the number four is uh, always do your best. So 
be the best that you can. Uh, with my daughter, you know, she's going to school and I tell her, listen, I'm not expecting you to get a hundred in every single subject, but I want you to be the best that you can be. So if you tell me 80 or 81 or 85 is the best, then I'll be happy because that's, that's your, your personal best. But if, don't go into mediocrity, you know, in mediocrity. If, uh, if you go just 70 because with 70 you pass and then I go and have, you know, go to the movies or play. And then I say, no, I mean, do your best. I mean, yeah. everything that you do, if you're working, if, you know, if I am facilitating a passion test, I've always put as a goal to be the best facilitator that I can be at that particular moment. And Absolutely. they say that there is a five a fifth agreement. Okay. The fifth agreement is don't forget the fourth agreement. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the 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 four quality um four quality guidelines to to live life by, and uh, if more people did that, we live in a much better place, no doubt, no doubt yeah. at all. Now um, we're coming to uh, to the, to the end, James, and what I would like to do is is Put a question back to you. You mentioned earlier on that uh, in the passion test, you um, say to people, you know, if you had a magic wand, you know, what would be what would be um, the passions or, 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 or the wishes that you would have. My question to you is, James, if if you were, if I were to give you a magic wand, and you had one wish right now, what would it be? It's a tricky question. What would it be? <laughs> Well, I have a lot of things that I want to do. One of them is what I want to be part of uh, a team that travels around with uh, my son, who is this tennis player. Uh, obviously, he is not a top, top tennis player to earn money, to have these teams. You know, there are players like Rafael Nadal and, and Roger Federer. They have like nine or ten people that go with them. I mean, to the point, they even travel with one specialist guy just to string the rackets. Can you imagine? Wow. <laughs> That's so, a job. Yeah. So I would love to be part of a team because uh, my wife and I, we, we love tennis. And uh, we do have this company that is called Top Ten Events. And we do organize uh, a professional tennis uh, tournaments, especially uh, – ATP challengers. That, that was a huge success, wasn't it? It was about three weeks ago, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, every year, uh, first week of October, we have these uh, challengers, and uh, it is the the biggest uh, challenger in the in the region, Caribbean and South America, in Latin America. Uh, so it's a challenger, uh, 125 points, which is the the biggest uh, challenger in in that uh, division. And um, so we love tennis. We love going to tournaments. So if we could be part of his team and go around with, with him in the tour and, and, and be with him and support him, and I, I, I think that that would be something really, really nice to do. That would be wonderful. I'll come along and string his rackets too. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking for someone to carry his bags at the moment. <laughs> I can do that. Do that well, James. You know, I hope I hope that uh, that your wish comes true. Um, 
I very much uh, would like to go forward with the passion test. It's something that I'd like to do. So I'll speak to you about that. Hopefully we can make that happen. And if you give me any information, I can put on the bottom of this podcast for anyone that's listening, if they would like to uh, take the passion test too, that they could uh, get in touch with you and, uh, and also make that happen if that would be possible. Yes, uh, please. Uh, that's very kind of you. And uh, just give them my email address, james.garcia at claro.net.do. Uh, do. And okay. uh, I will be more than happy uh, to send the information. And this is something that I can do for, for people in anywhere of the world, thanks to the technology. Yeah. And, uh, it, and it is one of my passions to facilitate the passion test. So when you are asking me to do it, it's not work. Everyone's passion. a winner. Exactly. Great. Well, I'll put, I'll put that on the bottom of the, uh, the podcast uh, notes. Well, James, I don't know where the time has gone. It's flown by. It's wow. been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you. It really has. And uh, like I say, I wish you all the best with, uh, with the tennis, with the passion test and the motivational speaking. And hopefully we can do this again at some point in the future. I would love to do that. And I thank you very much, Phil, for inviting me to your program. And uh, it's been a pleasure for me talking of the things that I really like the most. Uh, so I, I'm excited. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, James, thank you so much. And uh, I hope we can catch up soon. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And you too, Phil. Big hug to you. Lots of love and peace to everyone listening. Thank you. Thank you, James. Same to you. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.